Just let the anointing touch you where you right are. Just let the intimacy of the worship of the Holy Spirit just touch you. One line. Just uh, when you come on the platform, just open your hands, ready to receive. God's already pouring healing out on you, right where you are. Lord, according to your leading, according to your leading and your healing leading, Holy Spirit, we have brought people with chest conditions of all types and varieties. Ask for your touch now to come upon them right where they are, right where you are. Receive your healing in the name of Jesus. Whatever it is, in the name of Jesus, we pray that your healing power will be strong on these people's lives. Father, let your healing power flow in the name of Jesus. Every condition of the chest, breathing conditions, chest conditions, lung conditions, in the name of Jesus, be healed. Be healed in the name of the Lord. We release healing into the chest conditions. Father, touch your people with your glorious anointing and your healing power. Let your healing touch relieve them of all the condition that they face that they might walk off this platform strong and healed Let your breath breathe upon them father Let you touch them with your glory heal in jesus name be healed be healed of your chest condition in the name of jesus be healed Jesus name Father touch your daughter and let your healing power flow in her life right now what condition do you have a really bad chest condition sickness and cough and going to the dock. What's your first name? Come forward a bit, Cheryl. Cheryl's got a very bad chest condition. She's been to doctors and it's just playing havoc with her life. But I believe that if we pray right now, God can do a breakthrough, a healing. Cheryl. Cheryl, in Jesus' name, we as a congregation stand with you. If one part of the body hurts, we all suffer. So we intercede and stand in your shoes right now. How awful it must be to suffer this type of condition. So Cheryl, we stand together, we pray together, we all go to the Lord, we ask for Cheryl. We name, just name Cheryl before the Lord right where you are. Use her name and bring it to the Lord. And Cheryl, be healed of your chest condition. Be healed, we pray. We as a congregation pray the prayer of agreement and command 
this chest condition to be healed in the name of Jesus and that you would come and be freed from it in the name of Jesus Cheryl top of your head to the soles of your feet we speak healing deliverance in the name of Jesus of Nazareth anybody that's not been prayed for you'll be prayed for yes Lord is there anybody that suffers from irritable bowel syndrome here would you come out and go pray for you anyone upstairs as well irritable bowel syndrome you suffer from that just feel led to pray anybody else come on up if it, if it is just come we'll pray for you yeah. lift your hands to the Lord just going to pray for a strong healing touch in this area of your life and body God would bring order and healing in the name of Jesus. Lord, you called out this condition, therefore we pray that you will bring healing in this precious life. We speak to this condition and we say, receive healing power. Holy Spirit, we ask you to touch this life and that this syndrome, Lord, would lose its power that your healing would come into this life, drive out that condition and restore these areas that they might work according to your creation plan. Father, release your healing anointing. In the name of Jesus be healed. Other people with the same, just come forward. Lord, bring your healing power. Bring your healing power. We speak to this syndrome in the name of Jesus. Be healed. Be healed. Let your healing power flow, Father, in the name of the Lord. The lady. Lord, let your healing power come into this life. Lord, you've called out this condition because you want to do something about it. So, Father, send your healing power in Jesus' mighty name. Touch, Lord, this life with your healing power let her be healed in the name of Jesus totally freed from this condition we pray in Jesus mighty name in Jesus mighty name Amen, Amen please take your seats Amen, please take your seats if people are still being touched on the floor you can leave them for a while and later on tonight we're going to have some more words of knowledge prophetic leadings from the ministry team um, so that's yet to come. That'll be our next time of ministry. But what I'd like you to do, if you have your Bibles, is we're going to go into the Word right now. And we're going to go to Mark chapter 4, verse 35. And we're going to look at the narrative of Jesus calming the storm. Jesus calming the storm. So that's Mark chapter 4 and verse 35. 
On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in, one, in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? What an incredible narrative. In uh, January and February at the 2.30 service and also, as we feel led in the seven o'clock service, one of the themes that we want to minister out of is God as creator. I said it last week and I'll say it again and I'll keep saying it until I feel that it's been imparted into your lives. That there are two types of knowledge in which everything that we need to know can be found. The first type of knowledge is the knowledge of God, who he is, his character, and his activity. So the first is the knowledge of God. The second knowledge that is necessary for us is knowledge of ourselves, who we are. These two knowledges, the, the knowledge of God and the knowledge of self, are intimately connected. The more we understand God, the more we'll understand ourselves. The more we realize who we are, the more we'll understand God. Also, when we talk about understanding God, the knowledge of God also falls under two main headings. Two main headings. God as creator and God as redeemer. Many of us in this room today, we know God as our savior. We know God as our redeemer. He's redeemed us from our sin. He saved us. We're born again. We know what it is. He's in the process of saving and healing our lives even today. He is redeemer. But I've noticed that many Christians do not really know God as creator. You say, well, of course they do. We believe that God created the world. We believe the word, everything that came into being came through the word, Jesus. We believe that. You may believe it, but do you understand how it affects your daily life? So often Christians say, yeah, I believe that God created the universe. Well, so what? what? How does that affect your life today? How does it affect it tomorrow? What about the daily things that you're facing? You understand how the Redeemer works, but what about God as the creator? And so in the 2.30 service, and uh, we'll be reflecting in the 7 o'clock in part of this ministry, aspects of God as creator that will make a difference in our lives. And you say, well, what's God as creator got to do with this story? Everything. Absolutely everything. Because this is a miracle that's to do with nature, creation. And 
the situation that the disciples were facing was to do with creation. On that day when evening had come, he said, let's go across to the other side. And so we have this picture. It seems normal enough. They're going to get in a boat, a bunch of fishermen with a carpenter, and they're going to cross and go over to the other side. But then we find that this huge storm of nature takes place. And it was about to destroy the boat, or so it seemed. I mean, these weren't just people going out in a rowboat who didn't know anything about, about sailing. These were fishermen. So when a fisherman starts getting worried about the weather, you should start getting worried. One of the programs I like watching on TV sometimes is that Trawler Man, um, and, um, or The Greatest Catch. I like it, and one of the things I like about it is not just how amazing it is that God has filled the oceans with fish and provided for us in that manner, that harvest of fish, and I just enjoy the way that they catch fish and all that. But also one of the things that I like about those programs is they're right out in the middle of nature. And I, and I think that's really powerful. And you see these fishing boats, trawler boats, being tossed all over the place and right out, you know, man in a boat right in nature. And I just, I just love the force of nature that you, you see on those trawler, boat, trawler boats or, or on, the, on the greatest catch where they're, they're trying to catch all those crabs and things like that and they're out there in the icy wind. It's just the brute force and power of creation I find amazing. We've been having quite a bit of that, haven't we, in our nation over the last few weeks. We've been seeing the brute force of nature unleashed and not always in the most positive ways. But when, when nature begins to flex its muscles, there's not much human beings can do about it, or so it seems. Uh, we think we're so great, so powerful, but when, when nature releases its power, whether it's wind or rain or ocean, it's just so overpowering. And this is the scenario that we face in this story. These fishermen are going out, and then this great windstorm arose. And the waves were breaking into the boat. The boat was filling, and they didn't know what to do. They were doing their best, but they were losing the battle, losing the battle. But the most remarkable thing about this is not that there's a storm and a, and a seeming shipwreck about to take place. The most remarkable thing is that Jesus is in the stern, asleep on a cushion. That's the most remarkable thing so far about this story. It wasn't, somebody once said, he was so exhausted from ministry that he just almost like, you know, passed out. It's not the case. It's not the case at all. He was sleeping. This tells us so much about Jesus. Why? Because later on, he will say, do you know what the problem was? It wasn't the storm. He'll say to them, the problem was fear and the problem was unbelief. Fear and unbelief was the problem. And fear and unbelief is normally the problem today. Jesus had absolutely no fear and absolutely 
no unbelief. And one of the reasons was, if not the main reason, is that he knew that his father was creator. He knew it. It wasn't just, oh, my father has created the universe and everything in it, and then don't apply it to your life. But to Jesus, it was this. If my father has created the universe and everything in it, then my father is is in control of the universe and everything in it. My father is lord of the universe and everything in it. And nothing in the universe can tell my father what to do or go against his ultimate plans. And he knew his destiny. He knew he was going to the cross. He certainly knew that it wasn't his destiny to die in a shipwreck. He knew that. And he knew that his God was in control. He had total faith in the creative, sustaining providence of God. We talk about the providence of God. We're going to do a whole teaching series on the providence of God, the forgotten doctrine in the Christian church next month at the five o'clock service. But the providence of God, which used to be one of the most famous phrases in the Christian churches, The providence of God means, well, providence comes from the word provide. It means that God has created the universe and God provides for the universe. He provides for creation. He provides for people. He guides people. He's in control of it. And the providence of God. We talk about something happening in our life that is amazing. We go, wow, that was the providence of God that you came today and, uh, and, and you met that need. Uh, but everything is God's providence. God is leading, guiding, sustaining. You know, when God created the universe, he didn't wind it up like a clock or, or create it like a clock, wind it up, put it down and step back. That's called deism. Deists or deism believe that God created the world, wound it up, if you like, to set it going, and then walked away and had nothing to do with it. That is not the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible is intimately involved in every aspect of creation in the whole universe, right from the largest galaxies, right down to the smallest microscope being that can't be seen except from a microscope. He is totally in control of the big things and totally interested in the small things. He's interested in mighty nations and he's interested in tiny microscopic cells. They're all as interesting and as important to him. He hasn't wound up his creation and walked off. He is intimately involved. And although this creation isn't as it was when he created it first, in creation, in Genesis, it says that in the beginning God created the world, and by the end of that chapter, it says, and God looked at what he'd created, and behold, it was very good. Not just good, very good. There was no sickness, there was no dying, there was no destruction in God's creation. That all came in when Adam and Eve sinned, and not only did they fall into ruin, But the whole universe, the Bible teaches us, fell into ruin too. So when we look at creation today, it's with mixed emotions and mixed feelings because we still see the wonderful beauty of God in creation, don't we? But at the same time, we say it doesn't work like it should. We see the horrors of nature. 
the mother dormouse eating her young. We see the horrors of sickness. We see the horrors of tsunamis. We see the horrors of a world that doesn't work like it ought or like it did. It is broken. Yet still, God is in control of this broken universe. He's in control of your broken life. He's in control. And this is reflected. Jesus would would teach and say, Why are you fearful? Why are you anxious about what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear, how you're going to be provided for? These are Jesus' words. He says, consider creation. Consider the lily or the flower and how God clothes that. Consider the birds of the air and how God feeds them. Do they worry over these things? God provides for them. God is in control. In many of the Psalms that you read in the Old Testament, they will, Psalmists will often talk about the wonders of creation. He says, God makes the grass grow. God feeds the birds. God brings the wind and God sends the rain and the snow and God brings the clouds. It's not that, that God has, has left his universe over to clockwork scientific laws. And step back and say, okay, well, all the laws that we can observe in science, all those things operate without reference to God at all. So if you take an apple and you throw it up, the law of gravity will bring it down. That's a scientific law. We understand that. But that doesn't mean that God's not part of it. On the contrary. On the contrary, God is empowering the laws of nature that we see. If God would withdraw his hand one moment from anything in the universe, it would completely disintegrate and and dissolve. Do you know that? Because Hebrews chapter 1 says, God upholds all things by the power of his word. God knows the length span of every creature. He's in total control. Total control of your life. It's like Jesus said, why are you fearful? Why are you worrying? As if worrying can add one second to your life. That's what he says. The Father knows everything. Not one sparrow. He's talking about creation again. Not one sparrow falls to the ground without God's knowledge and permission. Do you understand what I'm saying? This is incredible, as I hope I will be able to show you as we apply these things, because Jesus is going back to creation to make points about how God deals with us. The psalmists often speak about God's power in creation and then talk about him redeeming Israel, ministering his people. And it's like they're saying this, the God who's in total control of creation, who created the the universe and everything in it, sustains the universe and everything in it, keeps it going, in other words, provides for everything in the universe, even in this broken world. Which, which often we see the suffering and not the full provision that would have happened if it hadn't been for us. The God who does all these things is interested in you. What is man that you are mindful of him? That's in the context of him and the whole creation being in his hand. I mentioned the 230. I want to mention it again because it's a, an example of creation touching our personal lives about that sparrow not falling without God's permission. I remember I was driving down from Birmingham one day on the motorway, and I was just driving along about 67 miles per hour, I think it was. And I was just driving, and I just looked over to my left, 
down where the fields were in front, and I saw a bird in the air, and then suddenly I saw that bird just drop like a stone to the ground. As I got closer on the motorway to where it dropped, I looked, and the bird was dead by the side of the road. I thought, what an incredible thing to see. There was nothing that hit it. It didn't get shot. It was just up in the air. Then suddenly, its time was up, and it fell. And I really felt that the Holy Spirit was speaking to me about that passage, that not a bird falls without God's permission. And I thought, how incredible that this would happen. Because for God to order the moment of that bird's demise and falling from the sky, I mean... He, he knew exactly the speed I was going. He knew that I was going to stop and have a sandwich and they decided to press on. All these ifs and buts, things that I could have done or not done that could have made me miss that moment. How about instead of looking left, I looked right or didn't look at all? And God would be like, oh, you missed it. You can imagine God trying to, birds keep getting killed. And I'm, I'm not, you're looking in the wrong direction again, Bruce. And then I realized, I thought that is, the glory of our God. That's how in control he is of everything. Nothing is beyond his control or his ability to be involved in it. That he can bring that divine point, that divine appointment, if you like, to teach me a lesson. That not one bird drops without his permission. And he's taught me it so powerfully that it's almost like he says, look left. Oh, wow. All that ordered by the Lord. You say, what's that got to do with my life? Everything. Because it was this knowledge that caused Jesus to sleep. Because he knew that nothing in creation or of creation could rob him of his destiny. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. You see, we look at other events. We look at events and we look at the news. And often when you look at the news, it can fill you with fear and anxiety. You think somebody, this happened to somebody, or that happened to someone, or someone died in a fight. And you look at that, and what can happen, and it's natural, is you think, oh my God, I hope that doesn't happen to me. And sometimes we look at the bad things that happen to others, and it fills us with fear. And we're fearful because we think that might happen to us. We begin to walk in fear. And some of you I could probably feel already saying, well, maybe it will happen to me. You see, the disciples... They had unbelief and fear. They didn't re realize that their life was in God's hands. And that nothing could happen to them except by the express permission of God. I mean, think about Job. You know that wonderful uh, story of Job. And the devil came to, came to God and says, I want to attack Job. And God says, I'm setting the limit. You can't take his life. And then all these terrible things took place to Job. Not just Satan, but natural disasters, natural sicknesses, things took place. And Job couldn't understand it, could he? And the whole of Job is Job saying, I don't understand what's going on. And then you've got his friends saying, well, it's sin. You must have sinned. You must have done something wrong. And then in the end, God turns up, doesn't he? And how does God answer Job? about all the trials in his personal life, his family. His, how does, what answer does God give? God gives him the answer, I am creator and Lord of the whole of the universe. You read it at the end. He says, Job, 
You're asking all these questions. Why, why? And then it says, look at the great creatures of creation. Did you make them? No. And then he goes through saying, do you sustain creation? Do you provide for creation? The great dinosaurs, can you order them? Can you lead a great dinosaur where it should go? Do you have control over the great things? Do you? Do you have this? All of it was, I am creator and in charge of my creator and Lord of my creation. That was his answer. And at the end, Job says, that's all I need to hear. Now, to some of our minds, we think, well, that's not enough. I want to know why this and why that and why the other. And can you explain a little bit more about how Satan's activities works? And, and, and you know, you get, you get some hyper-faith teachers who actually teach that the reason that Job went through everything was because he let his faith shield down. And this, when he said, the thing that I feared has come upon me, they then go to some proverb that says, Fear is a, a trap. And they say, it was Job's fear that brought these things into his life. And that was the reason. If he had had faith, none of these things would have ever visited him. What a load of rubbish. Because immediately you think it was his fear. Then you start to get fearful. Oh, but I better not have fear then. If I have fear, I better not have fear like Job, who was like a right, the most righteous man on earth. If I get fear like Job, then Satan's going to get in and he's going to play havoc with my life. Oh, now I'm frightened about being frightened. <laughs> but we know that that's not the case with Job because James, which talks about patience in going through trials, at the ends of James, he says, consider Job. And what he went through and how he came out more blessed than before. What I'm saying is, it was creation. And knowing that God was creator that was the answer to his problems. Could it be that you know Jesus is redeemer, saviour of your soul, Al, that's wonderful. But could it be you fail to understand that God is not just creator in name only, in the beginning God created the world, but he is active, he never stopped being creator, and that creation, creator, <coughs> being the creator, means that he is constantly upholding the creation, constantly overseeing it, constantly guiding it, even this fallen universe, he can still take a fallen world and get his plans perfectly achieved. Nothing can come into your life that can defeat you. <coughs> Because God won't allow anything to come into your life that will defeat you. He won't allow <coughs> excuse me, the call of God or the destiny on your life to be destroyed. And so Jesus understood this. He would teach many times on the power of creation, the providing, like I've said. And so Jesus knows that his time is not yet. When is his time? When the Father says so. I mean, when he spoke about return, he says, nobody knows when the Son of Man will return except my Father. Now, if Jesus wanted to know, he could ask and find out. He's God. But he was saying, no one knows the time but my Father. And Jesus, when he said, nobody knows the return of the Son of Man, the time except my Father, what was he saying? He says, as long as my Father knows, I'm not worried. Because when the Father knows, Jesus was saying, when I return, that means I will return at the right time in the right way. It's not something I'm even bothered about. You disciples asking me, when will these things be? I'm telling you, the Father knows. That's all you need. 
And the father had revealed to him and said, do you know what? You're going to have your hour at the right time. And Jesus knew that the devil couldn't touch him. Creation couldn't rob him. That God was in control of all creation and it would come to pass. Now, it wasn't just that Jesus understood the power of God as creator. Paul the apostle did. Do you know that? Do you know, remember when Paul said, you, uh, the Holy Spirit came to Paul. I won't go into the verse and chapter. You can find it there if you're that interested. But the Holy Spirit said, Paul, you're going to Rome to be my witness. Do you remember that? You're going to Rome to be my witness. And then he went on the most terrible voyage ever. Remember the story? He's there, a horrible storm, a bit like this. And they're like, this is, and, and, and the captain, they're, they're going to throw the prisoners overboard. And, and, and Paul, Paul is not worried in the slightest. There's no unbelief. There's no anxiety. Why? Because God said he's going to Rome. You read that story out of that prophecy. In fact, on the contrary, he's got the confidence. He's going, don't throw them over. Don't worry about it. I've got to go to Rome, so you'll be, no one's, it's not going to be destroyed. And then he even gets a revelation. Oh, by the way, no one's going to be destroyed. We'll lose the boat, but you won't lose a life. And so the way that he tackled the situation was this. God is in control. Now, you don't even need a rhema word to say that you're going to end up in Rome. God may speak to you about things that you're going to see, do, or places that you might go. That's wonderful because you know that nothing will get in the way of those things if that's God. But even without those things, God knows the length of your life. He's got his plans and his purposes for you. And so Jesus was in the boat and he had the sleep and rest of faith. He wasn't afraid because he knew that he was not subject to the power of unruly creation. He was just lying asleep. Why? Because he knew his father was in control of the storms. He knew it. He knew it. If he, did, if he wasn't aware of God's creative power, and create and his God's the Father's work in creation on a moment by moment basis, sustaining it. If Jesus didn't understand that, he might have been worried. He might have been, oh, I'm a bit worried about this. I'll have to get some miracle power going. Because this storm, this storm could stop me reaching my destiny. And, and this storm is powerful. And I don't know if I've got power over this storm. And, and maybe my father doesn't have power over this storm. This, this storm is so mighty and powerful. And you know, creation, the creation, the forces of creation are incredible. I mean, the, what sort of power keeps the planets orbiting the sun? What sort of gravitational pull does that star, the sun, have that planets way, 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 way out can escape its grasp as the sun pulls them round and round and round? And the fact that all the planets are at the right distance, that the earth, it was just a little bit closer to the sun, would all be frazzled. A little bit further away, we'd all be frozen. The delicate balance of the universe the delicate balance of gravity i'm no scientist but if it was a little if gravity was a little bit more heavy we'd all be crawling on the floor we'd be dead if gravity was a little bit lighter we'd all be flying off like superman we'd be dead the delicate balance 
of galaxies and the forces of galaxies and systems that are all aligned in these great powers that keep everything in order. And then, as I've said already, the tiny, tiny microscopic cells that God has just as much interest in. Great power, great balance. God is totally in control of his creation, even if it's fallen. And so Jesus knew that this storm and the forces of nature are so powerful they can be quite scary. I mentioned last week, I remember when I was in Florida this summer and it was a very stormy time. And when the rain comes down, I mean, it's like sheets. And, and the rain would just fall. and I would just open the balcony door and just step out under cover in the balcony. And I, would just, I was just amazed at the force and the power. I mean, it was a power shower from heaven. You know, you can have those showers and you turn them on. There's not much water pressure and you have to dance around to try and get wet. And have you ever been in one of those massive power showers? You sort of turn it on and, whoosh, and you can hardly move. Because it's just, and the rain was just coming down and everything stopped. All the power of humankind and all the mechanics and all the cars that are out there, everything stopped because of the power. And I thought, this is so powerful. But then I thought, but these are just little drops from my father. My father. These great storms, these things, these are nothing in the hands of God. And yet we have problems trusting God's power to deliver us or to free us, or to change his circumstance. He's all-powerful. He can do anything in your life he wants. And he's all-knowing. Nothing's too complex a difficulty, or too, too uh, complex for him to get his mind to work out. All-powerful, and yet intimately interested, and intimately involved in the tiniest little things in your life. He knows every hair on your head. He knows everything about you. Knows every little bit and is interested in even the things that you're interested in that I might say, don't bother me with that. God never says, don't bother me with that. God never says that's too little for me. He loves the great and powerful, but he loves the little things equally. Jesus knew that and that's why he was lying in the boat asleep because his God was in control. But not only this, not only was his father the creator that he trusted, but also he understood that he himself had created all things. He was lying asleep in his own creation. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. All things came into being by him, and everything that was made was made by him. Nothing that was made was made without him. He's the word made flesh. So he was lying there because he, he wasn't worried because he knew that in some mysterious way, don't ask me how it works. All I can say is God can do what God can do. But in some mysterious way, he was still sustaining, still controlling, still watching over creation in a mysterious way because he was still, though he was fully man, he was still as fully God as he's ever been. And so we get this wonderful picture. 
where they say, don't you care that we are perishing? You see, when you're in total control of everything that's going on, you don't panic. (laughs) Imagine, if you can, you're God. And you're in total control of everything. And nothing, nothing, even things that rebel, you're in control of that. It'll use their rebellion for your purposes. Everything, you're in total control. You don't panic. We panic. Why? Because all of a sudden we're out of control. I don't know how is this going to work. I don't know. I can't control it. Got any control freaks in the house today? Amen. You know, it's like, no, no, no I've, got, I've got to be in control. I've got to be in control. If you're not in control, you lose. You start to panic because anything might happen and it's out of my control. Well, everything was in Jesus' control, God's control. And when everything is in your control, you don't panic. Even if you die, you just raise the person back from the dead. Jesus, if you were here, Lazarus would have been healed. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. I'm not panicking. That's the problem, Jesus. You weren't panicking. If you'd been here, if you'd ran here, if you'd got on a horse, or, or got, got an pl- aeroplane or helicopter, uh, one of those ambul- air ambulances, and got over, Lazarus wouldn't be dead, and now it's too late. And Jesus said, I'm still not panicking. I'm not worried. I feel sad. Because of how you feel, but I'm but it's too late. It's not too late. Why? Because I'm God. <laughs> I'm God. Yeah, but it, Lazarus has died. Uh, I'm the one that created Lazarus' life, and I'll give it back to him. Come out, Lazarus. And he came out. Jesus died on the cross, and all his disciples ran away. It's over. It's finished. It's not over. It's not finished. Why? Because not only is Jesus redeemer, he's creator. He said, I'll lay my life down. And then I will pick it up again. Can you see the link between creator and redeemer? It's not just, oh, Jesus is our creator, whatever. And then, oh, let's focus on the redeemer. It was the understanding of creation in this story that was so powerful. And so don't you care that we are perishing? He's not panicking. Sometimes when he doesn't do in our lives what we think he should do, and bring the healing deliverance or the activity straight away. We're like, don't you care? Don't you care? Why haven't you done this yet, Lord? Why, why are you taking so long? Why aren't you answering my prayer? Why aren't I bring, getting the deliverance? Why don't you care? That's what they, they asked. They, the disciples had totally misunderstood the creative power of Jesus and the creative power of Jesus' father, that he was Lord of creation. They'd misunderstood that. They didn't realize. Maybe in their minds they thought, well, Jesus' father is, our, is the creator. They were Jewish. But they didn't see it in real life. Maybe you as a Christian, you say, well, I believe that God created the earth. But do you believe it when you get into difficulties? Do you believe it when storms come, whether they be physical storms? Do you get worried and frightened like I did in Florida? And I was all right when the rain was falling, but when the thunder came and the lightning flashed, I was under that duvet. I was under that duvet. Wow, I was frightened. I was frightened. But God is in control of lightning. That's just a picture. If I was frightened by that, how frightened would I be if I stood before the greatness of the living God? Have you ever been frightened by anything in creation or had your mind blown by anything in creation? How do you feel when you're going to stand before the living God one day? It will blow your mind. 
it will blow your mind. So he says, don't you care that we are perishing? They were panicking because they didn't understand. God was in control. Hey, if it was their time, it was their time. If they had, if they had um, drowned, it would have been God's plan. And then they wouldn't be worried about it. They'd be like worried about it. The next thing, they'd be in glory, praising the Lord. And Don't send us back, Lord. We love it too much. We're so earthly minded. We forget that heaven is promotion. Heaven is deliverance. Heaven is release when it comes. Yeah. Sometimes God takes people out of the earth early. We don't like it. But he says, I want them up here now. And they aren't complaining. We're complaining. And it's right that we can complain. Hey, that person died a bit too early. I'm not happy about that. And we have, that's fine. We're so earthbound. But the person's up there saying, shut up. <laughs> shut up. We're all down there around the coffin going, be raised from the dead. And they're in heaven going, stop that now. Stop, pr- stop your prayers. Stop your prayers. Stop trying to keep me down earth. I'm happy up here. And by the way, in the twinkle of an eye, you'll be with me too. Now, that doesn't mean that at times God will lead us to pray as a sign of God's creative power of raising from the dead. And so he awoke and rebuked the wind. Just slapped the wind. Hey, stop it, naughty. And then goes, sorry. And then uh, he says to this, all this sea, all this angry sea, and he just goes, please give it a rest. You can see him there in the picture behind me. He's going, will you shut up? Give it a rest. I'm trying to get some sleep here. And it's not you that woke me up, storm and sea. It's those jolly disciples. And then when the sea's quiet and everything, he turns around and he basically says, can I get some sleep now? Are you going to bother me again? Oh, and by the way, the problem is you have fear and you have no faith. Faith in what? Faith in me as savior, but also faith in me as creator. Let's stand together. Ministry team, get ready. In a few moments, Christian is going to lead you in giving some words. I'm going to worship the Lord and and minister. Let's just stand where we are and just let the grace of God minister to you through this message. That God is your saviour, but he's also in control What are the storms of life that you fear? Your fears and your anxieties, God is in control. God is totally in control. God knows the moment of everything that takes place. And he has a destiny for you and you're not going to go until that destiny is fulfilled. And you don't have to fear. You don't have to panic. You don't have to be a control freak. God is in control. My help comes from the Lord. The psalmist says, well, who's he? He's the maker of heaven and earth. You know that? My help comes from the Lord. What Lord? The maker of heaven and earth. Just expand your heart and your faith right now. Say, Lord, if I'd been in that boat... I want to have been like under the duvet with you, Lord. I've been asleep knowing that you're in the boat with me and we've got a destiny together, a place to go. Maybe you're, maybe you're here and you're not even in the boat yet. You say you're talking to me about creator, sustainer, 
provider, but I need to know him as savior, healer. I need my sins forgiven. Jesus came to save you from your fallen, sinful self. All of us have fallen short of the glory of God. But tonight, all you have to do is ask him to forgive you your sins and you will be forgiven. You'll receive the gift of eternal life if you only believe. And he will save you and he will preserve you and you will get in the boat with Jesus and he will teach you how not to fear but to believe. If you're in this place today and you say, I'm ready for forgiveness of sins. I'm ready to become a Christian. I'm ready to become a follower of the Savior Creator. Right where you are, you lift your hand right now. Christians, put your hands down. But if you're ready now to lift your hand and say, I want you, Lord. Forgive my sins. I want to get in the boat with you where it's safe. Not out in the storm where I'll perish. Just lift your hand and I'll pray for you right now. Yeah. Anybody else? Upstairs in the balcony, any hands? Anybody ready to come to Jesus? Have your sins forgiven? The ministry team could come on the platform. Quickly, please. Quickly. And Christian, if you could come, take the microphone. Just in this attitude, we're going to worship the Lord in a moment. But before we do that, we're going to open up and listen to the Holy Spirit and see if there's any people or prayer lines or prophetic lines that the Holy Spirit has for us tonight. And then we're going to pray for everybody that wants to have prayer. And also, you can then respond to some of these prophetic inputs. Hallelujah, the ministry want to come forward. Got some words of knowledge here tonight. Just believe and know that I am God who loves you. Just believe. Amen. Hallelujah. If that speaks to someone right now, you may see if you want to go down. If someone wants to be filled with the love of God, just believe. If that, that word resonates with you right now, comforts you, encourages you, come down and the embassy will begin to pray for you right now. Someone's got pain in the abdomen and shoulder pain. in the abdomen and pain in the left the left shoulder so if you go to go down right now if you if someone's got pain in the left shoulder or in the abdomen area and you come forward right now begin to pray for you in the front yeah i just want to um encourage someone here who has is a law student and has been waiting a long time for their pupillage you'll know what that means i believe god has opened the door you've been waiting a long time and i will pray with you um, your pupilage dog, the Holy Spirit showed me he just, he's just opened the door. You've been waiting a long time. You're a law student. So if you come down, I'll pray for you. The second thing I believe the Lord showed me was there is um, someone who had been refused a loan. I think they wanted the loan for a car. And I believe God is saying to you that I, He, owns the cattle on a thousand hills. So just begin to seek God for the, for the breakthrough, for the financial provision for, for, the, for the loan, for the car that you wanted. Um, and someone else, I believe, um, has been in a relationship that's, that's broken up. And I believe God wants to encourage you to say that, you know, I believe it's a man, that your Sarah is coming. Not saying it's a Sarah is the name of the woman, but that God is going to 
redeem that situation and will bring healing into that situation. And the other thing I just want to pray for, is there anybody here who has not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues and would like uh, the opportunity to receive the, the gift of tongues? We will be here to pray for you as well. Okay? Awesome. If you respond to those words right now, Beverly will be here at the front and just come forward and respond to those words. Anybody else got a word? Peter? It's, it's the end of the famine season for someone here it might be more than one person obviously and it's um, the new season of bountiful blessings and provision so the end of the famine end of the famine a new season of provision if, if that's you if you want to go down pray if that's you you resonate with that word then you come forward right now the famine has ended that's what the Lord is saying. The famine has ended and a new season of abundance is coming into your life. So if you've been through a time of famine and you believe in God for a time of abundance, you come forward right now. Begin to pray for you. Anybody else got a word tonight from the ministry team? Hallelujah. If anything comes, I want to pray for somebody tonight. You've got a, a problem with your back and um, I've got this kind of word that your back kind of tilts to the right hand side and it needs to be realigned if that's you right now you've got maybe pain in the upper back and it kind of leans to the left hand side the back needs re realigning I want you to come forward right now I want to pray for you at the side of the platform as well tonight and uh, give me a wave if that's you right now first with the back the back issue is that you okay if you just come down here and I'll pray for you there and up there if you want to come down just come on the left hand side I'll pray for you anybody else who it's that, that word with the back. I'm going to pray for you here on the side. And now I want to pray for some people. It's a bit of an unusual word, but and it doesn't relate to everybody, but it will relate to you specifically tonight. Somebody here tonight, you get sharp pains in your body. Now, I don't know specifically where those sharp pains are. We all have sharp pains in our moments, but this happens and it concerns you. And it's getting to the point where it's really concerning you. It's really alarming you. If that's you tonight, I want you to come on the on the left hand side of the platform. I'm going to pray for you and take authority over that sharp pains in your body, and Jesus will set you free tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. If the ministry just want to go down on the platform there, and if anything, if you have a word, if the team can just lead us in worship, I'm going to pray for you. that's you with the back problem or the sharp pains. Come on the left hand side right now. I'm going to pray for you.